0: reach down, grab your Bible, or look at the screen. Is it going to be up there as well? Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, which remains standing as we read God's word together. Mark chapter 15. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over Pilate's. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered, You have said so. The chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Our Father, help us to be amazed in the sense of your wonder and your awe and your love and to understand, in this sense, the amazement of the world at our response to you. Help us to to trust you. Help us to learn your word. Help us to grow in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We return the Gospel of Mark today. We return to it. And this, as we get into the suffering of Jesus, as it would be called, the passion of the Christ, uh, the Messiah's uh, endurance of his, uh, his penalty for our sin. He took our penalty, actually. We, we get into the passages that are in every one of the Gospels. Remember, I've told you that there's a reason we have four Gospels. We get different aspects and different parts of of Jesus' ministry along the way. But the four Gospels are not biographies of Jesus. If they were, they would be far more thorough in the information that we have about him, about his life, about his family. But instead, we get bits and pieces that we assemble along the way, and we, we learn, though, what the purpose is. The purpose of the Gospels is to show us how God loves us and what he did for us. And so we get bits and pieces of the ministry along the way, but by the time you get to the last few chapters of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, guess what they're totally focused on? What Jesus did for us, what he endures for us. And in all four of the Gospels, we actually have this account and they're remarkably similar. We're going to going to look at the Gospel of John as well this morning because we get different details out of John with that, and I think there's reasons for that. But um, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the three accounts are remarkably similar. And actually, one of them's kind of short. Uh, we don't get a whole lot out of it. Matthew, uh, we kind of get it broken up into different pieces. And and we are actually going to spend a couple of weeks talking about this whole experience because really what I want to focus on today is that question that we actually find in the Gospel of John, and that is the question that is posed to each one of us, especially in a day like today, where everything is questioned, and that is, what is truth? talked about it with the kids a little bit already, if this is, if you're just listening to this on the, on our sermon podcast, then you've missed that part, that's okay, I'll get back to it, if, if you've been here the whole service, I already gave it away, but please don't leave, okay, because there's a lot to that question, why was Pilate sent, I all mean, right, so why, why was Jesus sent to Pilate? The time of year that they are in the midst of is the Passover celebration. The 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 remembrance of the Jews' deliverance from Egypt through Moses and the promise that God would deliver the people again. And so they come every year with this expectation into Jerusalem. And there's this big celebration in Jerusalem. Accordingly, there seems to be a kind of a ruckus raised along the way, because the Jews believe that that they are unjustly persecuted because of their subservience to Rome. They were first conquered by Babylon, then then Persia conquers Babylon, then Greece conquers Persia, and ultimately Rome conquers Greece. Yay politics, right? And then, thirty years prior, and we get this picture in the Gospel of Luke. We see that the governor in that day was Quirinius, which is easy for you to say, not so much for me to say. And then in this day, 30 years later, after that, we have this fellow named Pilate. And we get different accounts of this, and there's stories of his wife having dreams and uh, don't mess with this guy Jesus, and that's found, in, in, I believe, in Luke. And we see that all of these different uh, accounts happen surrounding this fellow and why does this guy matter and and, and really the reason Pilate enters the picture altogether is political yay for the politics how many of you get tired of politics you can raise your hand I don't mind I'll, I'll raise my hand here's the deal is that the politics have been around the whole time even in this season, and perhaps especially in this season, because the Jews still saw themselves as a sovereign nation, God's people, the ones that God chose, and the fact that they were under Roman rule was was an injustice. Pilate comes to Jerusalem. Pilate's home base is not Jerusalem. He's the governor of the whole region. He comes to Jerusalem, and he is likely staying in Herod's home. Because he wouldn't have his own place there. But he's there to help keep the peace. Because it gets a little crazy in springtime. The Jews get a little, uh, in, you know, what, how the Romans would view entitled on their own freedom. So he's got to come and help keep the peace. Little did he know that he was the guy that would be named in the creeds the next thousand years. You know what I'm talking about is the Nicene Creed and in others as well. It says that Jesus suffered under... Pontius Pilate. He's the guy who is in charge of the whole region, and he is the one who actually holds the political authority in that place. It's not like they could get on FaceTime and talk with Caesar in Rome. He went with the authority of the Roman government and had the opportunity to rule as though he was the one ultimately in charge of everything. Lucky him. Because... If you look at what's happening here, how many of you would want to be Pilate? I wouldn't. I don't want that responsibility. I don't want that trial. But here he is. The chief priests know they don't hold that authority in order to, uh, to bring this punishment of death. And really what we find along the way is that the charge that's landed on him, according to Roman law, means nothing. They don't care about the local religion. All they want is the tax dollars and to keep the peace, Pax Romana. But here in this place, there's there's a kerfuffle, whatever it may be, and there's insurrection. And and we'll get next week to this this thing that shows up in all four tri- uh, uh, gospels as well. This this fellow named Barabbas. There is real trial happening. In the land of Judah, there's insurrection, there's murder, there's all these things happening. And, and the Jews need to be governed. That's why he's there. But now the priests come with a religious issue to the secular governor. And you get his attitude along the way as well. He's like, I don't know why you're here. Why are you here? And he asks Jesus that question. He asks the priests that question. Verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 1. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He has no time to waste. He has heard that the, the arguments of the leaders in the, in the region... He just comes straight out and asks him the question. The charge at hand is, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus has a very interesting response. In English, and the way it's translated here, I I don't know that it it really lends it to to how we would answer it today. It says, you have said so. I think the picture of it is more like, that's what they're saying. He's like, what do you think? That's basically Jesus is responding to this question. He's like, It seems like you have already declared that this is the case. Jesus isn't getting into their argument, in other words. And Pilate, he's curious about this fellow. I want you to go to John chapter 18 as we get the chance there. Yeah, John chapter 18. A couple of books later, the end of the chapter, we actually get a little more picture of this conversation. Jesus is dragged in. And what is the accusation? He says, if, if, you know, if he wasn't doing evil, we wouldn't have delivered him to you. Okay. So Jesus and Pilate get into this conversation here. They they basically, the, the chief priests and the scribes tell tell them, or tell Pilate, We want to kill this guy. And we don't have the authority to do that. Only you can do it. Pilate says as he responds. In verse 33, it says, Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? That question is posed in every one of the Gospels. Okay. Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Again, coming back to that way he answered the other ones. What do you think? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Okay, here is the perspective shift that threatens everything about our existence and and why the, the world politics are threatened by the Christian faith. It's because ultimately, if we understand the Bible correctly, we are not... Accountable to the governance of things of this earth. We are accountable to Jesus. And if he is the king of the Jews, he is the king of the eternal promise. My kingdom is not of this world, he says. Then Pilate says in verse 37, So you are a king. <laughs> Jesus says, You say that. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. goes back to Jesus' whole purpose in coming, that we might know the way to the Father. And the question that Pilate asks is now the question of the perpetual existence on earth especially in our day that we might call them postmodern, post-Christian, whatever it would be. That is what? What is truth? Guys, that's the question that we face when we look at witnessing and telling others about the world, or about, about I'm sorry, telling others in the world about our Messiah. Naturally, we think that we are accountable to ourselves, and we can determine our own right and our own wrong. But if this book is true, that isn't. Truth cannot be relative. It's either true or it's a lie. And Jesus says here that he. It's of the truth. They listen to his voice. And Pilate doesn't have time for this conversation anymore. What is truth? That's a question we must answer ourselves. And the only place I know is to go back to here. With the teenagers, I've been working through a pretty basic Uh, overview of apologetics. And apologetics is not saying that you're sorry about anything. The word apologia in the Greek is a defense. It's an apology is something that is written in defense for what you believe and who you are. And so in the scriptures, we are encouraged, it says in 1 Peter 3.15, to have a ready defense for the hope that is within us. What is the hope that is within the Christian that we believe our sin has been paid for and that the one who paid for it conquered death and he's waiting to bring us up with him? That is the hope of the Christian faith. And that he is not just wait to, that we don't just wait for that, but that he is with us now. Trinitarian theology. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us now inhabits the Christian the follower of Jesus Christ empowers us to understand what he talks about here his truth so what is truth? that's the question that's going to that that has been asked for 2,000 years ever since Jesus made these statements But Jesus shows himself in the Gospel of John, and I've talked about it with many uh, lately as we've been working through the Gospel of John. I'm, I'm involved with the, uh, the coaches' huddle at the uh, CSU Pueblo Fellowship of Christian Anth- Athletes, F- FCA. We're going through the Gospel of John. But to understand the Gospel of John, and I don't have this up on the screen, but you just have to turn the page here, and you see that... In verse, uh, chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. This is chapter 20, verse 30. But now 31 says, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. So the Word, the Word shows us the truth. The truth is Jesus. Well, where do I get that? I'm glad I asked. Just turn back a few pages. In Jesus' final discourse in the Gospel of John, you have chapter 13, verses 17. You have the longest uninterrupted uh, section of Jesus' teaching. If you have a red letter Bible, which I don't use, but if you have a red letter Bible, it's all red. Why don't I use a red letter Bible? Because it's all red letters. It's all God's word or none of it is. Okay. You get where I'm rolling here. So, really, I understand the red letters. I also can't read them very well. That's one of the reasons I have black letters. But, seriously, it's either all God's word or none of it is. In John chapter 14, in his encouragement to the disciples, he answered Thomas's question. I'm going to dive into Thomas's question. How can we know the way? He asked. He's, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, coming back to Pilate's question and this conversation that they had and, and why it all matters. There are many reasons why the involvement of Rome is important here. First of all, if the Jews had just taken down Jesus, we wouldn't have a full picture of the sin of the entire humanity. It would have just been the Jews that did it. But the fact is is that Jesus didn't just die for the Jews. He died for the Jew and also the Greek and the Gentile, which I praise the Lord for because there's not a Jewish blood, blood, drop of blood in my body. But it was the blood of the king of Jews that was shed for me. in the fulfillment of the law, it had to happen. He was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. But he suffers at the hands of sinful men. The Gentiles. And we're going to dive into more of that. We get really probably the most disgusting picture of the passion in the next passage we look at. I'm not going to dive deep into that today, but his scourging. There was, I mean, the crucifixion was a cruel way to die, but they did that to him first. He suffers at the hands of all of humanity. None of us can escape that. It's my sin that put Jesus on the cross. I am accountable for his death because he is the one who fulfills the law. And what is sin? Sin is simply breaking the law. Anybody ever told a lie? We're all guilty. It's our sin that put him. And we may want to blame a certain group of people and and that's where some of the attitudes of anti-Semitism happen in this world. Well, shame on them. Because it was me and you that did it too. Every one of us put Jesus on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might know the righteousness of God. He took the curse of our sin. forgives us by the shedding of His blood and answers for all eternity through the power of His resurrection, they question what is true. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And none come to the Father except by Him. This was part of the plan the whole time. I want you to go back to the Gospel of Mark. Go back to chapter 8. It's only been three or four years since I preached this sermon. I can start over now, right? Mark chapter 8, verses 30, I mean, verses 31 through chapter 9, verse 1. This is kind of where I'm going to tie it up in a bow. Because Jesus reminds us why he comes before this ever happened. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Going back to Mark 15, that's exactly what's happening here. He is suffering at the hands of all men. He tells them what is about to happen. And by the end of chapter 15, on the next page here, it's on fast forward. It won't seem like that necessarily because it's probably going to take us a few weeks to get through it. But a whole lot of things happen very quickly. Remember, this is about uh, dawn on Friday. By noon, Jesus is on the cross. Now, I ask yourself, it's about 10 minutes to noon right now what were you doing at 6 o'clock this morning? I'll tell you what I was doing. I was oblivious to the world at 6 o'clock this morning. I was very asleep. A lot of things can happen very quickly when there's a purpose behind it. Jesus gave himself willingly because he knew that this is the way it had to happen. It does not absolve the guilt of those who, who placed him there. But just like we all put him there, the forgiveness is offered to all. We're going to talk about Barabbas next week. But have you ever thought, you know, Jesus was put on the middle cross, right? Who was that cross put there before. on earth? The criminals. Who was the one that was released? There was a trade The just for the sinner. And in that great exchange, So I ask you today, how would you answer the question posed by Pilate? What is true? And how you answer that determines eternity. Let's pray. Lord, you're good to us.